Well, Mother Nature, Roger, uh, came through for us on uh, last Saturday. It looked like we were going to have some rain, some wind, some nasty weather. Uh, Might have been who knows what coming at us. But all of a sudden, around noontime, skies cleared, sun came out, blue skies, puffy clouds, which was a good thing. And then maybe a bad thing. We'll get to the the good thing first. It was senior day at UNH. The Wildcats seniors were given their due. And uh, what a game it turned out to be for the uh, not only the seniors, but the Wildcats in general. Uh, Walk us through that one. Yeah. Well, hey, a huge win for UNH. You know, it keeps their hopes for a conference championship alive, as well as they probably needed it to keep their uh, playoff hopes alive. Um, you know, got a late TD pass and now they're playing Maine at Maine, their rival with, you know, everything, uh, everything's in the middle of the table at stake, you know, playoff berth, conference championship, uh, you know, the musket is what they play for, mm-hmm. um, biggest game of the year, you know, no, no hyperbole there for UNH. So if they win this one, they, from what I've been told, they would share the CAA title. Is a, a tie with somebody else? Yeah, technically they would be co-champs if they win because they're tied with Richmond and William and Mary, and those two schools play each other. Okay. Uh, they have to have an outright winner because the the conference champion gets an automatic berth to the playoffs. So they, I won't go through the tiebreakers, but there's some crazy tiebreakers. But I would say, you know, what you want if you're a UNH fan is to beat Maine. And then, uh, you know, you're probably in the playoffs. And if the tiebreaker scenario goes your way and you happen to be the outright champion, that much better. But, you know, I think everybody will be happy with a victory regardless. And and as far as the playoffs or or where the the playoffs would be, that's still to be determined? Yep, yep. So is there a chance, though, they could be playing a home game? Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, they have very, very good success playing at home, you know, um, in the past when they've made it. So, I mean, I'd be surprised if they weren't playing at home, put it that way. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with the way coach Santos has got that team tuned in. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've just been playing up to their potential for sure this year. And that game uh, against Rhode Island is proof. I mean, they didn't give up and uh, you know, it took a last minute touchdown from Brosmer to, DJ Lincoln's, but Hey, that's what you're hoping for. Those last minute wins, right? Last second wins. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, they had a gauntlet here with, uh, Elon Richmond and, uh, uh, Rhode Island, three very good teams. And, you know, they went two and one, which I, you always want to win them all. But I, I think if you told anybody, you know, prior that if you're going to go two and one of these three, most UNH fans would have been happy. Mm-hmm. And they even fought back in the Richmond game. You know, they were down, uh, what, 24 nothing in that one and came back and almost won that one as well. So I think you're right on with your point of them playing to their potential, you know, because they're not, you know, they're not a superstar laden team, but they're playing terrific football. Exactly. And, and, and uh, Brosmer this year is, you know, we were without him because of his injuries in the past. Now he's showing that, hey, he's, he's stepping it up and he's proven that uh, it was worth the wait. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. He's playing good. Uh, you know, they're really, you know, you hear the phrase complimentary football a lot. You can throw it around a lot these days, but really they are even their special teams, which has not been a strength mm-hmm. for UNH most of the years that I've covered them. Uh, even that's been very strong this year. So, you know, it's, it's been all three phases. We're going to go to the schoolboys side. 
Again, looking forward before we look back. Okay, let's uh, hold that thought. Coming up uh, this weekend, uh, there's a couple of big matchups. Let's talk about what happened. The championships uh, in D4 and D3. Summersworth, they came up a winner over Newport, 14 to 6. So they're the D4 champion. Now, that's a repeat for them, correct? Yes, two in a row for Summersworth, correct. Okay, and in D3, it was Campbell, and those are the Cougars, right? Campbell Cougars? Correct, yep. Okay, so Campbell comes out the D3 champion over Trinity, again, 16-14. Pelham, they moved up, and they're going to be uh, hosting Sauhegan, and that'll be for the D2 title. That game coming up at 1 o'clock, and that'll be at Bedford High School Saturday. We have action in D1. Let's talk about what's coming up this weekend. Two big heavyweight matchups, Londonderry, and uh, they'll be hosting Pinkerton. And then on the other side of things, two other dominant dogs, the Bedford Bulldogs, no pun intended, and the Timberlane Owls. Let's talk about those matchups first. Let's start with Londonderry and and Pinkerton. Um, You know, I would say other than Exeter Winnicunit, you know, this is the only other rivalry in the state that really compares just in terms of general interest, crowd size, you know, things like that. Londonderry handled them pretty easy during the regular season. Score-wise, it was one of those games, though, that you look at the score and then you watch the game and you say, yeah, I wasn't that lopsided because whatever little mistake Pinkerton made, Londonderry capitalized on, you know, a turnover and then a quick TD. And um, so, you know, I'm expecting a good game, a very competitive game in Londonderry. It's kind of funny. There was, I don't know what, you know, like 20 straight games or something like that that figured it beat them. And then I think the last uh, five or six have all gone Londonderry's way. So the the series history is totally flipped. But, um, you know, yeah, that'll, that'll be, if anybody's going to that one, get there early because if you've been to Exeter for a, you know, playoff game against Winnicott, you'll, you'll, you have an idea of what the crowd size will be. And I and some of the standout players between Londonderry and and Pinkerton, some of the guys that we got to look out for? Well, I would say for Londonderry, they have Drew Heenan, you know, the quarterback that led him to the state title last year. And they have a receiver named Andrew Cullman, who was, uh, I think he had two touchdowns against Winnicott in the championship game. And they're really a very, very good offensive team. So, you know, those are those would be the two guys that I would worry about the most if I were Pinkerton. Now they do play great defense. I'm not trying to take anything away, but in terms of name recognition, those are two guys. And then, you know, on Pinkerton side, you have um, Jacob Albert, who's a halfback and Cole Yanako, uh, who's a fullback. Both are going to be division one baseball players that helped Pinkerton win the, the baseball championship last spring. And both are two-way players. Yanako's a linebacker and, and Albert's a defensive back. So those are some guys to keep an eye on. But, you know, it usually comes down to somebody else. You know, both teams have great depth, right. big rosters, and uh, should be a good battle. And now on the other side of the bracket in the semis, it's Bedford Bulldogs and Timberlane Owls. Uh, we're familiar with both of those teams, and we'll talk more about Timberlane in a few minutes. But – of those two teams, tell us, uh, you know, where you think it stands and uh, who has the leg up and uh, some of the stars on that one. Well, Bedford won 7-0. They beat undefeated North. And, uh, you know, they've been uh, doing it primarily with defense. I think that was their fifth or sixth shutout of the season. They haven't a lot of point in the playoffs. Now, you know, 
It's worth noting North's quarterback got hurt in the first quarter, and they also lost one of their other top uh, offensive players in the first quarter. And they were without Toby Brown, a lineman, defensive end, who you could make a case that he's the best player in the state. So it was a very shorthanded North team. But nonetheless, Bedford was impressive, went into Nashville and beat them. Um, You know, they have – Bedford's got quite a few very good offensive players. Um, You know, Danny Black's their quarterback. And and Exeter fans will probably be familiar with the name Colby Snow, who's a wide receiver who – you know, he's their big play guy, I would say. He scored against the one touchdown against North. If you were at the Exeter-Bedford game, he was the kid on the jet sweeps, you know, all the time that was getting the handoffs. Um, and they, you know, they also have a kid named Logan Sphere, um, who he's been playing mostly defense because of an injury, but they've they've put him back at running back for the last few games. He's a big, powerful, between-the-tackles runner. And, and the other kid that impresses me for Bedford is tight end Cal McAuliffe, um, who was more effective against Exeter last year than he was this year. But to me, Bedford has a little bit of everything. They can throw it long with snow. He can make big plays. They have two very good tight ends. Quarterback's good. But they also have two uh, between-the-tackles runners, and they can wear you down that way as well. So um how bedford was a 10th seed i have no idea you know because it surprised me too (laughs) i mean they're as good as anyone in the state really flip back to that matchup in a second a few of us well many of us (laughs) were at the timberlane exeter game the quarterfinal game and uh uh it it was a it was a, a heavyweight fight and and uh the coach for Timberlane Fitzgerald he just uh, took a big gamble at the, the very last second in the game going for two and uh, came up a 29-28 winner over the Blue Hawks the, the Owls over the Blue Hawks what was some takeaways from that game well first off I wasn't surprised that he went for two matter of fact uh, you know the, I think it was about five minutes left the turn to the person next to me and said you know get ready for the conversion if they score because it just I think it was the right call whether mm-hmm. he made it or not you know, that, that overtime in high school football really is Exeter's style, you mm-hmm. know. And um, um, so, you know, kudos to him for making the call and, and to the team for, for executing. Um, I thought in many ways it was Exeter's best performance of the year, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. You know, the, the stats in terms of number of plays was more than two to one in Exeter's favor. Oh. Uh, Exeter did not have a penalty in the game, did not turn the ball over, mm-hmm. up 14 with seven minutes to go. You know, at that point, I would have said, yeah, this is their best performance of the year. And then, you know, I think Coach Ball said it in the paper best. It was short and sweet. You know, we just a victim of the big play. And they, you know, uh, they made a handful of them. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think they had much yardage outside of those four or five big plays the quarterback Dom Capetta um he was without his primary running back but the the guys that were taking the ball in the backfield did a nice job but obviously it was the wide out like you said two big strikes long bombs that uh, the kid just reached out and grabbed and unfortunately our, our back just couldn't keep up with him and uh that's what made the difference those two touchdowns in, in the fourth quarter and uh, wow to be honest with you sure I the reporter in me, you know, I think back to 
everything that Exeter could have done to win the game earlier. Like there was a bunch of, you know, plays that were almost made, you know, um, a missed field goal. There was, there was a pass play that was wide open that just went off the fingertips. Mm -hmm. You know, they were so close to victory. If they could just make, uh, frankly, I thought it was over when, when Evan Pafford scored to make it 28 to 14. And uh, I think it was Moss that had an interception too. And, uh, Mike detour had a run back. You felt, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but you know, as comfortable as you can feel in that situation. And, but they needed to make that one other play. There was a lot of opportunities and just didn't do it. And of course they, they really needed to make a play on defense is what they needed. Yeah. They had to punt the ball away with about six minutes left. And it was kind of funny. I was watching the replay of the game and uh, uh, the, the dark clouds coming over the stadium. It had been a bright, beautiful day all day. And all of a sudden it got kind of cloudy and dark there just towards the, about the six minute mark. And that's when things started to fall apart. We had to punt the ball away. And then they came back with that big strike that uh, basically gave them the game. So yeah, it was, uh, there, there were some missed opportunities, but there again, on a given day, anything can happen. You know, those teams we just mentioned that are going to be in the semis, uh, do all four of them have uh, kind of a tandem like Timberlane did the other day, the, the quarterback wide receiver type tandem or a couple of them? combinations a londonary does um and bedford does uh pickerton's more of a running back oriented team you know they're more like exeter wing t type team so they rely on their backs more than their receivers so um just a matter of you know what off what type of offense you prefer no bedford's going to have to keep an eye on mcguangi because he's definitely going to be a a factor in that game if uh, capetta throws to him i mean he can burn he can he can he can he can haul for sure at the very end of the game uh we were trying to control the clock again that six minute mark is what i noticed is when and even the coach coach taylor on the on the tv side was saying slow it down slow it down (laughs) if we could have just made one more first down we might have been able to, to keep at least one of those touchdowns off the board. Um, and that's why I mentioned that the play that is in my head is the pass play that was thrown to the Timberlane side of the field. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not saying if he didn't score, you know, if he caught the ball, if he wasn't going to score, he was going to be darn close because there was no, nobody in front of him. And it was a mm-hmm. short, easy pass. And who knows? Windy day. I don't know what ball, I don't even know, you know, I couldn't see exactly what happened. Maybe it was thrown a little too far, but that was the play. I think we punted on the next play. And then I say, we, I'm putting on my extra hat. (laughs) Um, You know, and then bad things started to happen. But, you know, like you said, if you make one more play, that was the one that really sticks out in my mind. If it was made. That's the one thing I would hope. And I, I doubt we'll ever see it in my lifetime is that we could have one of those uh, long strike guys, you know, it's the tight ends. They're reliable, but uh, I'd love to see some quarterback in the future of the blue Hawks t- tandem with some kid that can burn and, and, you know, do a 40 yard, like, like we saw in that game. That was a wild one. That was a wild one. I don't know. Tough game. You know, it's tough to lose the last one, but to lose in that fashion is, uh, you know, it's not, not, I like all the sports, Sherm, but losing in football is, you know, yeah. something a little extra painful about that. Oh, you yeah. know? Amen. Well, let's get back to Timberlane and Bedford. Um, 
we've talked about the key players, uh, Capetta, the quarterback, uh, Mwangi, the, uh, the, I guess he's a wide receiver, but he also was in a backfield position too. So multiple, like you say, a multi-tooled guy. Uh, he's definitely going to be a factor. Those are the things I think Bedford's going to have to be worried about. Uh, but again, they're, you said a real hot defensive team too. So. Yeah. To me, you know, when I, I look at this, I've been very, very impressed with the Timberlane quarterback. I mean, he, he is poised and the first touchdown pass he threw against Exeter. I don't care who you were. You couldn't have thrown it any better. You right. could have had two, two players on that guy. He just dropped it. I mean, seriously, perfect pass. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so very accurate, I guess, is my point. And, you know, if he can have enough time to throw, to me, that's going to be the key battle, the Timberlane passing attack against the Bedford defense. You know, I, that's going to be interesting. I don't know how much success Timberlane's going to have running the ball because they didn't run it very much against Exeter except for the one long play. Uh, but they will be able to throw it, I think, if he, if he has time. And that's going to be uh, – that's the interesting thing to me anyways. Coach Fitzgerald from the Owls, I mean, he, he could have been a hero or a zero, one or the other. You know, he, he went to gamble and, and, and he, it paid off. I mean, his quarterback, Capetta, was going to go over one way or the other. And on that goal line stand, one of his own people, because he – our guys stood him up. But one of his own men said, no, you're not coming back my way. Bang, and knocked him over the goal. So. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a big, strong kid. Uh, I've had the opportunity to talk to him a couple of times. And he, I remember uh, Coach Fitzgerald told me, you know, he could play defensive end, no problem, if they wanted him to. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a receiver. I guess the story goes he was a receiver originally. And he was at one of the Timberland camps when he was younger. And none of the quarterbacks could throw him the ball. So. You know, he said he got he got mad and decided he was going to play quarterback. He'll be the quarterback. <laughs> probably a good move for them. You know. Before I let you go, I want you to try to predict what's going to happen. So in D one of those two semifinals, let's go uh, with the uh, Bedford Timberlane matchup. Who who are you picking? Who do you think will come out on top? You know, I'm a defensive guy, so I'm going to go with Bedford. Okay. You know, well. Uh, I'm just going to preface it by saying I won't be surprised no matter who wins this weekend. And that's, I don't really see a strong favorite in either game. Um, I just think Bedford has the better defense. So I'll go with Bedford over Timberlane. And you still say that Londonderry has earned that number one seed and probably would come out on top of that, of that matchup. No, no, no. I'm going to go with Pickerton to beat Londonderry. Wow. An upset. Ooh, this should be interesting. Now, well, well, we'll we'll hold off the the final prediction. Picking both lower seeded teams here, sure. So I want some credit if these come through. I'm not going. All right, uh, all right. When we get together next week, we'll 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 uh, take a look at uh, the final matchup, and uh, we'll make you make you pick that week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably be picking Timberlane versus Londonderry. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we shall see. We shall see. I mean, sometimes hey. you. You almost wish the guy that beat you is the one that advances into the finals and takes it all. So I don't know if that's the way the Blue Hawks are looking at it, but I think, you know, I saw a good team take us on and, and, uh, and earn their win. So, Hey, good luck to them against Bedford. Good luck to them. If they get past Bedford against whoever Pinkerton and or London dairy. Right. Yeah. And, and just quickly, I, I don't know if people will find this of interest, but you know, everybody talks about London and they've been number one all year, but, 
they, they beat Merrimack 21 to seven. And I was looking at the stats from that game. It was similar to the Exeter game. I think Merrimack ran 77 plays, 41 more than London there. Wow. Um, they had, uh, they were 10 of 16 on third down. They had 20 first downs to Londonderry's eight. They had a back who ran for almost 200 yards. You almost wonder how Londonderry won. You know, I know <laughs> they ran a kickoff back for yeah. a touchdown special teams. And, um, I think they had a couple of key turnovers, but I, and I watched the first half of that game and, Merrimack was just the more physical team and moving it methodically. They were Exeter like, you know, and then they just couldn't punch it in. Um, we we're close to an upset in that game, believe it or not. So uh, that's one of the reasons I'm going with Pinkerton. I just think recent form, you know, favors the Astros, but we'll see. You know, going back to what I said at the beginning of our interview here, I said that, you know, Mother Nature came through <laughs> with a beautiful day. Uh, I was happy for the UNH Wildcats because it was senior day. And I was happy for, you know, the fact that we could get a good crowd out for that game, Timberlane-Exeter game. But the more I thought about it, I thought, man, I kind of wish it had been a little bit windier, maybe a little wetter. Yeah, that would have been in Exeter's favor, especially wind, which would have kept Capetta's uh, passing a, a little more contained, I think. No question. Yep. The worse the weather, the better it is for Exeter. <laughs> Nobody would argue that. See what happens this coming week, and then we'll get you back to make your prediction for the big game. And, oh, the other big game, uh, let's not forget Pelham versus Sauhegan. That's coming up this weekend. Uh, who are you picking on that one? Oh, boy, I guess I'll go with Pelham. I just think they're the uh, the more well-rounded team. They beat them in the regular season. Uh, but Sauhegan has two of the top players in the state. And they can score from anywhere at any time. I mean, they are a quick strike team. Um, so, you know, I'll say Pelham in a close one. Okay, fair enough. Well, if people can find out all about what's happening with football on the state level, with what we're talking about here, uh, the different matchups in the different divisions in the NHIA by uh, checking out uh, Roger's column in the Union Leader or especially on NewHampshireFootballReport.com and their power rankings and all that will be, be – uh, featured this week as well, right? Yeah, big weekend between the, the Division One games, the Division Two championship game, and UNH. And, you know, if UNH does win, uh, the playoff field is announced Sunday on ESPN. I'm unsure of the time, but we'll know Sunday when and where they're playing against who. We'll be checking back with you next week, sir. Okay, sure. Very good. Uh, before we leave, I just want to remind you, uh, we enjoy – People passing the word about our podcast. We're on all the major platforms, so please pass the word. If you're watching us or listening to us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, ring the bell, give us a like. Uh, ditto on Facebook. And also, also, if you have any questions or comments uh, or an idea for a future show or, or guest, send it to seacoastsportsforum at yahoo.com. So for Roger Brown from the Union Leader and the NewHampshireFootballReport.com, I'm Sherm Chester, inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forums.